Welcome to the Global Marketing Show, the podcast for all things international business. I'm your host, Wendy Pease, president of Rapport International and a translation expert. Come along with me today as we talk to an expert in the global marketing world about facing their biggest fears, hearing about mistakes they made or saw, discussing best practices, and sharing fun travel language and culture stories. Welcome back to another episode of the Global Marketing Show podcast, where we talk all things translation and global marketing. And I just love interviewing the guests because I always learn something. So just a reminder that the podcast is sponsored by Rapport International, who connects you to anyone, anywhere in the world in over 200 languages by offering high quality, culturally adapted translations. And the tidbit for today is Jimba Ite. You may have heard me talk about this one before because it's the tagline for Mazda. And I get such a kick out of going to Google Translate or Machine Translation to see how they translate it because it's the tagline that's supposed to symbolize a archery warrior riding across the plains at one with the horse ready to do battle and so it captures such a good image of a car that's speedy and responsive but if you put it into google translate the first thing it came up was danger which is not a good tagline for a, a car one time i put it in it came up as just jinba which has no meaning and today i put it in and it came up as horse and man so it's just another reminder that machine translation cannot solve the translation problems that you might be trying to solve. So today's guest is Tamar Flores, and he has been an innovative visionary focused on growing companies and revenue and business development and strategies for companies that want to expand internationally. He speaks three languages. He's a real visionary, and he was brought on as a consultant to Hair Club to drive international growth and global expansion for them. So welcome, Tamar. I'm very excited to have you here. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, yeah, it's my pleasure. So I'm so curious, what was the impetus for Hair Club bringing you on? Well, Hair Club is a... Uh company that offers hair solutions. Uh, they do hair regrowth, hair replacement, hair restoration. Regrowth is when they help you regrow your own hair. With They have vitamins and real laser hats, and uh, you can regrow your own hair. And then hair replacement is where they have hair systems that they attach to your scalp with medical adhesive. And they, in that way, you, they replace your, your, your hair immediately. And then hair restoration, which is the transplants. And they transplant your own hair into the, sp the spaces where you don't have much. So basically, the CEO is a very smart person, very intelligent. And he, he realized that if they don't grow and do new things, they are opening a window for future potential issues and competitors catching up. Hair Club is the biggest company in the industry here in the U.S. and the world. But if they don't move forward, there are always competitors that can catch up. So that's why he brought me in. 
Okay. And what did he, which makes a lot of sense. If you don't move forward, you can stagnate, especially when the competitors are nipping and there's a huge market internationally. Right. So. Definitely. Yes. There are many uh, cultures that give a lot of value to the hair. So given that there is a lot of opportunities. So what did he task you with doing when you came in? Well, let me tell you a story of how we met. That, that's a funny story. We connected through LinkedIn and then he said he wanted to talk to me. And then, you know, we were exchanging some emails and, and things, but uh, he never got back to me. And then in uh, January of uh, 2021, I saw a LinkedIn message that said, uh, this is his, his birthday. So I just say happy birthday through LinkedIn. And then he answered and he said, you know what? We need to meet and let's set up a meeting right now. Just because I said happy birthday, right? So that was a, a good thing. So he's in Boca Raton. I'm in Orlando. So he said, let's let's meet together in person. So I drove there. We met. We spoke. He presented me to the main people at the company. And then we had dinner with also a couple of important executive um, people. And, uh, and then he said, okay, you're the right person. You have been an entrepreneur. You know how to handle yourself. And we need somebody with that mentality to help us grow internationally. And I have been a CEO for 17 years, since I was 30 years old, for a medical device distributor company. And I've made at least 40 international deals, at least. So with all that, he said, okay, we need somebody that thinks in that way. And, and so let's, let's start as a consultant. And I need you to drive us and guide us on growing internationally so that that was the main task so now had he it, ever done international work or had he lived international well it's kind of canada if you consider that international right they have <laughs> you know they have a, a few centers in canada and one franchise in canada and puerto rico again that could be considered international they have one franchise in Puerto Rico. So basically just North America and, and uh, mostly English speaking parts of North America. Although in Montreal, they do have a couple of centers. Okay. So, so he's really a visionary and knew that he wanted to bring in good support and he saw that in you. And so how do you start? Correct. Correct. We really think very much alike. And yes, he wanted to grow with a mentality. Yes. Well, also an exciting new challenge for me. The first thing is to getting to know the company itself, how it works, the culture and everything, the products, the services, how, how it really works inside. And he assigned me that task for three months. So I was working three months, interviewing people, talking with people and asking them, how they see we could grow internationally, right? So that's how I started, analyzing the, the company from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And after that, the next three months, I uh, was assigned with the task of making a plan for how to grow internationally. So I, I really did a lot of research and how to how, how is the best way to do it and in a safe way because there's there there are a lot of risks when you go internationally and, and you don't know the cultures right so 
I made a, a, a very, a very interesting, exciting, and a really aggressive way to grow, but taking care of the risks that that would that would mean. So, and that was the second part of it. And after the CEO read that second part, he said, "Okay, now I like." Okay, these. so talk about, So hold on there. I want to capture mm-hmm. that. So. Mm-hmm. You've got 200 countries in the world, you know, yes. and they're in two or Puerto Rico, you know, so however you count right. that, two, maybe three. How, how did you pick, like, how did you marry the culture and products and services of the company to which countries you wanted to go into or recommend? Okay. Well, the way of picking is first, according to the importance those countries gives to culture, to the hair, right? Like the, what, the, the, uh, what does hair mean in that culture, right? How important is, is, is that? And so I had to choose places where they really, really, sometimes they even have a status meaning to hair. <clears throat> and so then- So what countries have a high value in hair and which countries- not as much. Well, in general, there is an importance to hair, right? But in, in, in countries like in Latin America um, and maybe even uh, some places in in Africa, like Egypt and uh, Italy, places that are like, that have been an empire before, those, for some reason, they give a lot of importance to hair. And then wait, wait, wait. also... Countries that have been an empire before. Yeah. Rulers uh, of empires like thousands of years ago, they they dictated the mode and the hair, and they, they still have this importance because, you know, many places where the hairstyle was to have uh, lots of hair, that was, that was really important. So that, that it's, it's still still a thing in the world. But, that is uh, fascinating. So it really is a historical value of hair, right? And rulers right. had okay. And how? But about, it's just the first piece of it because then. Well, wait, 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 wait. We got to look at the opposite okay. side. Which countries did you kind of rule out because they didn't have the importance of hair as much, or not rule out, but put lower on the the choice? Right, right. I don't want to mention them like one by one. But basically, countries where they really, it, it really doesn't matter, you know, if, if you have hair or not. They they don't they don't they are not. What's the way to say it? They 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 don't give it enough importance. They are like, okay, if you don't have hair, is 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 fine, really. Like you don't you don't need to. It, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything if you don't have much hair. So there are places where. The mode is not important. The look is not important at all. And, you know, things like that. So Nordic countries, Caribbean countries, certain African company countries. Certain uh, European countries and, and even certain African countries, yes. Okay, how fascinating. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought mm-hmm. that would have been... One of the first, it makes sense, but I didn't know there was that much of a difference in culture. So that's, that is such a huge learning lesson for anybody listening to this podcast. 
Okay. Right. But that, that the way I, I approach it is not that it's, it was not important, right. but the other way I approach it, we have to go first where there is a lot of importance. Right. So I wouldn't, you know, so I, I wouldn't say there are countries that really, really don't care about it. It's just that there are countries that is really important. That's that's what I focus on. Okay. So, you know, okay. Not, and so those right? bubbled up to the top, to the higher exactly. priority, and then exactly. the other ones just they're they're not in the preliminary one. C correct. Because okay. at the end, at the end, every country, every you know, has people that, that that wants to have her, and for men and also for women, right? For women, it's very important. So so it's not that they don't want or they don't have a market it's just that the market is better in other places okay okay mm -hmm. all right so then you figure out your primary countries that have a high importance of care what's the next step the next step is a social and political things so have to make sure that it's political stable country so that you don't invest and then you have many risks after four or five years of investing right mm -hmm. and then the economical situation has to be stable socially also stable right and cultural fit in the sense that her club is a very american brand so that they they really appreciate american brands right so all of those together were the ones that gave me an approach also i have i have developed a flowchart for any industry and any company that can, with three easy questions, you can you can define what is the best strategy, and together with the best the best markets for 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 a for a product or service, and it's a very interesting flowchart. But basically, it helps you decide if you want to go into a new market as joint venture, an acquisition, or maybe a franchise, or subsidiaries, right? And gives you the best strategy according to the market of the country and according to your product and service and the company itself. And it is, it's, it's a very good guide. So basically, that also has some social and economical question to it. So you need to go to, to a place where initially, where you are almost sure you're going to be successful because of the market and because of the economical situation of that country, right? So with my flowchart, that helped me a lot. And, and, and to guide for every country, I would, I would run it through, through the flowchart and, and define how good was it for the market and what strategy was better. In some countries, joint ventures are better. Some countries, franchises are better. Depends on the market, depends on the economical situation. And that's what I did. So when you did your research and picked out countries, did you want to go into multiple countries at a time or start with one? Or did you build out a grid of which countries you do a JV and which countries you do a franchise or, you know, so how do you think about that? Yes. First of all, I started always uh, planning on three, two to three countries at a time because Every country has its own speed and you never know. So if you only if you only work in one, that could take too long, right? Hmm. So two to three countries, then 
you start investigating and researching for possible partners. And then you, you have interviews with four or five potential partners in every country, right? And according to the market and the partners also, you will decide if it is better a strategy of a joint venture or a franchise or an acquisition, right? So you have to talk to the people. So you, the, 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 the flowchart that I made give you a guideline, but then you have to, to match that with, with what the candidates in those countries are telling you, right? So they will tell you that, you know, we don't want to do, we don't want to do a joint venture here. We want to do a franchise or here is better to do an acquisition for certain reasons and conditions in the market. So they will tell you then, and, uh, but you already go with an idea of what's the best for the company because what you want to do with this flowchart and with your decision is to maximize revenue while minimizing risk. So that's what the flowchart is about. You know, how, what is the best way to get here to get the most revenue with the lowest risk? So that's, that's the decision thing that you have to, that, that you have to pick, right? The decision, the final decision you have to pick. So that's a flow chart and that's what you want to do. But then when you talk to the candidates, they're going to tell you, well, in our culture, this works better, right? And then you have to define if the risk and revenue are a fit with what the candidates are telling you that works better in that country, right? So you might decide that, okay, this country is best for an acquisition. And uh, they tell you, no, nobody's going to sell you their similar centers or whatever. And, and then you have to decide if you want to go joint venture or not, because maybe you, you know, they want, they all want joint venture, but you have decided that it's too risky, right? So, so can you talk in particulars about hair club, like maybe some of the countries that you looked at, some of the conversations that you might have had, like bring it down to, were you flying into the country? Were you doing Zoom calls? You know, how did you build the relationships? Did they speak English? So more, more detail of what you were doing, because I find this fascinating. Yes, that's interesting. First of all, I got in partnership with an institution or two or three that would help me find some leads and to talk about the market in general, right? And so I would talk to people in that in those organizations and I would have a general idea about if it was or not a good idea. So to you, you, those you hired a company or who was the organization to give you some leads? Yeah, yeah, I hired, I hired some well, not even hired. I talked to those organizations beforehand. I would have to find them and, and ask to talk to them and see if they could do some market research. Before the market research, I would talk to them in general about the, the possibilities and opportunities in those, in those countries, right? And then after that... What if, kind of com companies were they? they? Yeah, they were governmental companies and also private companies. Um, okay, from, so you did reach out to some of the International Trade Association, federal right. government employees, and some of the right. state 
right and private companies also okay. to that, that do market research to to just to talk in general about the idea right okay so and just if, in gen and, just for our listeners there are lots of free federal and state resources that companies small mid-sized companies can reach out to to get some of this free consulting or ideas the the first the first talks yes but then you have to pay for uh, you know yeah. after that when you order the actual market research or whatever you have to pay for it, right right but at the beginning of course even with private organizations you just talk, talk about the possibilities and and then you get an idea of uh, if it is a good idea or not right and then you order that market research and and and, and research for potential partners right and so that I talk to people in in so many countries. I talk to people in Italy, in Qatar, in Colombia, Peru, Australia, China, Hong Kong, India, Canada again, and so many, so many countries. And uh, so at this point, you didn't have your top two or three countries. You spread correct. out pretty wide correct. to correct. do research. Okay. Right. A little wide, but not. Not not more than ten countries that I already had investigated as for cultural and political and economical fit, right? Mm -hmm. And some countries like in Latin America, they look like good places to go, but then the political situation was very stable at that moment, so mm -hmm. I put them off for later, right? So not that I cannot that we cannot do business with them, but it's just for later. And, and so eliminating or not eliminating, but this prioritizing the countries, we got, we got to basically a few, just a few countries that were left. And the most important one was Australia for, for her club. It was Australia. And uh, there were a lot of synergies and I talked to a few people and a few candidates and a, a very good cultural match. A cultural fit and and they think alike hair club right not only australians have many things common in common with you uh, the usa but also the, the 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 partners that we were talking they think very much like hair club and so that was a very good cultural fit and we uh, talked to three potential partners there and then we decided for for one and we started talking about merchant acquisition. In this case, it was actually not an exact merge. It was a joint venture. But this joint venture, this company already has another company that does her replacement. And the, the company, the bigger company, the parent company does her regrowth. So basically, we talk about establishing a joint venture with the daughter company with the smaller company so that's that that was the, the 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 main idea that was the way they wanted to do it and and then the truth is once i start talking to the partners more seriously about what are we going to do i tell them i tell them that i don't want to impose her club's culture or american culture into the country i don't want to make that mistake because we, they are the experts on their culture, so mm -hmm. we are not going to impose them anything. Actually, how would they see that this could work? So what do they want to do? So you were very open country? and curious, yeah. 
right the other so i'm not going to impose anything so if they tell me two or three options that are not feasible for her club then i wouldn't go on with that with that country but i wouldn't tell them you have to do this this and this so are you i'm not going to talk like that right i'm not going to say that i'm going to ask them what is it that i need to do and learn from them all right so i have to ask here because you mentioned a whole bunch of countries that speak a bunch of different languages. And oftentimes US companies will go into Australia or UK because they speak English, but that wasn't one of your criteria that you were talking about. Can you talk about how you handled the language and how you were looking at a hair club doing the global marketing or you at this point? Right, right. Well, you know that English is very much worldwide language. So for important companies, there is always people and executives in that country, in that company that speak English. So that's that's good part. Now, I myself, I speak Spanish and I speak Italian. So when I talk to uh, Italy and I talk to Spain, actually, I, I didn't I didn't mention Spain before. In, in Spain, we had a, a, an acquisition opportunity. So uh, when I was talking to those people uh, in Latin America, in Spain, and in Italy, I, I would talk to them in their own language. But uh, in the other countries, was fortunate enough that I could find people that I would uh, speak English. Now, it was very interesting in China. When I was talking to China, it was one of my first countries. And I was trying to, I was trying to figure out and talk several times with, with a candidate trying to figure out if it was a fit and with that we had a, somebody that was translating for us we had another person that was a translator and they were uh, doing the spoken facilitation of conversation correct now so i'll use this as an education moment just interpreters do spoken and translators do written so Correct. nobody outside the industry knows that. But now if you've heard it, you know it. Interpreters are spoken, translators written. So you had interpreters that were helping you communicate from English to Chinese. Correct. Correct. Okay. And uh, and it made it a little more difficult, but not impossible to communicate. However, at the end, we decided it was not the best, one of the best markets to start with. Also, because this is a new adventure. So we want to make sure we can establish ourselves in, in two or three important countries. And uh, I decided that China was probably for the second the second group of countries that we should go into, but not the first because because of political situation and 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 you know again the the executives not speaking English made it a little more difficult too. Okay. So first your first group, you wanted to find something where it would be easy to communicate with the executives. Correct. And then get the plan in place and then you could Correct. replicate it with, okay. Yeah, that Correct. makes sense. And I, and I found that in every country except for China. Okay, okay. All right. Yeah, we're coming down to the end of the time. So this is, this is fantastic. We're... What do you think the biggest challenges are going to be for Hair Club as they expand internationally? Well, again, I think their CEO is is great. He's very smart. He we used to joke that he told me 
I was amazing. And I was, I would tell him that, you know, he was a great CEO, but just joking. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, um, the Hair Club is owned by a Japanese company called Adherence. Okay. And Japanese have a different working culture. And so even inside Hair Club, I believe that there's a potential to improve how they work inside, right? And I think that that is one of the biggest challenges is that they, the Japanese start thinking a little more like Americans when they are here and the Americans start thinking a little bit more like Japanese when they are dealing with the Japanese executives. That's a, that's a... Um, a challenge that's a challenge and, and but i'm sure that they're improving at that and that you know it will it will be successful so that's one of the challenges and, and the other one is that you need to be 100 percent sure and convinced that you want to do this because at the beginning you are going to have lots of steps back right and you're going to have lots of issues so if you don't keep pushing then you are probably not going to be successful so I talked to 12 countries and, you know, move forward with, with three, right? So that's, that's something that is going to take time. And then it takes at least two to three years. So you are not going to have to have results in less than two or three years. So if you are not sure, if you are in a hurry, if you, if you try to rush it, that's a challenge. So mm. it, it, either you are sure that you, you're willing to wait at least two to three years for the first results, or you better not start with it because it's, you're probably not going to be successful in less time than that, and it's not worth it then. If you're not sure, if the company is not sure, then it's, 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 it's not going to work. Okay. Yeah, that's that. I have heard that, and that is really good advice. Make Commit to it, have senior leadership buy-in, and then give time to get the results. Correct. Yeah. So I didn't realize that Hair Club was owned by a Japanese country, company. Do they right. have operations in Japan? The Japanese company, Hair Club, doesn't. But Alerans has businesses in several countries, in, in all continents. They make wigs and they make related products. But Hair Club has not started operations in Japan, which was also one dream of mine. At some point, Japan is in the list and I would like a hair club to be there. But uh, even with uh, a Japanese owner, it wasn't the best match for starting the inter uh, international expansion of hair club. So even even having a Japanese owner, it was it was best to start at other countries, not a Japan. Why was that? Well, many different things, but basically there were better opportunities again it's not that it was a bad place to go japan but mm -hmm. it was a lot better to go to the other countries that we started and i have only talked about australia but we have started also things or conversations and opportunities in other countries that i found were a better match isn't that an okay so you really did a strong strategy analysis for where to go because oftentimes i'll hear people say well the parent company was japan so that was a natural or like i said earlier they speak english so let's go there even though american and australian english are very different no no the space in japan was was one of the issues space 
for centers, uh, right? That, that was one of the issues. So, I mean, I, I would love to go there at some point, but it's not in the first tier of countries. Yeah, okay. And then do you, when you're doing that strategy, does translation for the products or for the website, does that come into your analysis at all? Yes, yes. Well, but that's that's when you have already a deal and you are starting to to the for example the merger or the joint venture, the acquisition or or the franchise. That's when you really need great translators and interpreters, and that's where our company like yours would be really really important. The translation is not, you know, this better than I do but translation is not about translating words but it's about translating concepts mm -hmm. and and so if you translate the words and the words mean something else in that culture then you are not being effective so you need you know uh, knowledgeable translators and interpreters to be able to have a feed there right and a cultural impact okay Okay, yeah, that's really interesting because I didn't, as a translation company, I didn't know if getting in on the strategy side or, but it's as soon as that deal is made, that's when you're starting to think about it. Now we got to exactly. build out our operations and it would fall under that. Correct, correct. Yeah. At least that's in my process, that's yeah. where it goes. Yeah, 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 that's good to know. Yeah, which is interesting now that you say that there's a lot of marketing strategists or companies that come into the US. And they have a market strategy, but they don't drill down into their marketing strategy, which we've done some strategy documents because coming into mm -hmm. the US, you have to have, you've got to identify your target market and you have to be very specific because the market's so big. So right. yeah, that's, so it's an afterthought. That's, that's fascinating to me. Okay. Well, any last suggestions that you would have for people that are thinking about expanding internationally? Yeah, I always say that the worst mistake a company can make is to enter into business with the wrong partner. Mm. So according to me, to what I've seen, you lose between four and six years of penetrating a market. If you, if you do it with the wrong partner, then you break up, right? Yeah. And between the breakup and you know, realizing it's the wrong partner, breaking up, establishing a new company or a new partner, growing that partner again, that takes four to six years. So do a lot of research about the partner before you you sign deal. And, and that happened actually to one of the important countries that I was growing into, which was Canada. I found a candidate that looked, it was perfect. And then when I did the research, he wasn't that perfect. So uh, we we stopped, we stopped negotiations because of that. Right. But that's, for me, a success because not doing business with the wrong partner for me is a success. However, for the outside viewer, it could look like a failure because you just didn't enter the country, right? But it it would have been worse so and again from the first talks and everything it was the perfect partner so so you you have to do your research after that that is just fantastic advice and right. losing four to six years boy you 
Hire slow, fire fast, right? <laughs> right, correct. Yeah. correct. All right, and I think you know this question is coming. What's your favorite foreign word? My favorite foreign word? Well, I speak English, Spanish, and Italian. From those, the one that I don't use too much is Italian, but it's a beautiful language, a beautiful language. And the foreign word, I, I, if you ask me the foreign language, I would say Italian. And a foreign word, a foreign word. You know what? I like, I, I live at Rome. And I they, they have the wolf, the wolf that fed Romulus and, and Remo. Mm -hmm. And so that is lupo. Ah, so would, yeah. Yeah, that's a strong animal, lupo. So that would be my my favorite word oh that's fantastic and what a a good one to represent the history of rome of a beautiful language so that ties together beautifully correct All right, so tamar you recommended your flow chart and you've got a wealth of information if people want to learn more about your flow chart or reach out to you what's what's the best way to do that yes i am working right now with my own company is business development Global Consulting. The website is bdglobalconsulting.com. And my email is tflores at bdglobalconsulting.com. So can I say my phone number or is it too much? Sure. Yeah. Okay. My phone number is 786-589-1172. And the website is again bdglobalconsulting.com. BD as business development. So we can work together and apply all the knowledge that I have acquired during 25 years of doing international business as a CEO and as a consultant. It would be my pleasure. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your information. Thank you, Wendy. Thanks to you for inviting me. Yes. So uh, listeners, thank you. I think this was a fabulous way to think about really using a strategy to expand internationally. So it'll be interesting to see, to watch Hair Club and see which countries they enter into and, and how they do that. If you want to hear more podcasts, uh, make sure you go back. Maybe to number 25 is Zach Selch. He is an international salesperson, so you can listen to him. And then there is another one that's earlier. It's before him, and it's about strategy, how a company did that. I can't remember the name of it right now, but I'll put it in the show notes. You could just look for the title that says strategy. And she gave a very interesting discussion about that, you know, looks at it from a different perspective that Tamar did. And of course, give us a rating or share this with anybody that you think might be interested in, in learning about how to expand internationally. So we will talk to you next time. Thanks, Wendy. That's a wrap for this session. A big thanks to you for listening to the Global Marketing Show. Hope you had just as much fun as I did. New sessions launch weekly on all places you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and of course on our website. If you know someone interested in this topic, please tell them about us. Au revoir for now.